0: hello you're listening to the mr money podcast mr money Jar here this episode is taken from an instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety this means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format for example there might be references to questions that appeared during the live plus some audience interaction and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps thanks for listening and i hope you enjoyed the show Welcome to episode 81 of the Mr. Moneyjar Show. Today we're going to be talking about UK black-owned businesses, and we're going to be speaking to Sherry from the UK um, Black Business Network. I met Sherry for the first time in 2019 at the Black Investor 360 conference. Um, the first ever event I spoke at on stage. And I'm very grateful to her for that opportunity, and it'll be really good to Speak to her again. It's been a while since we've um, since we've spoken. Um, I can see that she has already joined the chat, so let me invite her in as a speaker. There's always this moment where you're wondering if it's going to work or not. let me try that again oh, we... oh sherry's in great
1: oh there we go perfect these lives are always like a little bit, bit always a bit iffy when you're trying to join them right
0: definitely but it, it does end up working in the end really good to to see you how have you been
1: you too um yeah i've been good we've been busy which is always a good sign um but yeah really excited to kind of be on and Yeah, be on the platform now. It's so amazing to see what you've done with it. So it's great.
0: Yeah, and I was saying before you joined, the first time we met was back in November 2019. Yeah. I spoke um, at the Black Investor 360 conference and that was such a great opportunity so early on in my business journey. So thank you very much for that.
1: Oh, no, that's exactly why we exist to kind of, you know, give a light and um, highlight people like you and what you're doing as well so yeah it's just it works in tandem
0: awesome let's dive straight in shall we shari do introduce yourself and let the people at home know what you do
1: yeah so um cool um i'm shari lee i'm the founder of uh, black business network Um, I kind of started from a corporate events background, so worked in the corporate events sector for about 10 years. Um, And then in 2018, I founded Black Business Network and uh, Black Business Network is basically... um, a hub that provides support resources, um, educational materials and networking events, educational events, everything to kind of support black entrepreneurs in this country on their journey um, through entrepreneurship and as they grow. So we do that through events. We do that through support resources. um, Yeah. And we love to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, at the risk of asking a question that's a bit Captain obvious, obviously you're a black um, woman yourself, but, You could just speak a bit about like why you chose to found um, the network and why is your passionate about black businesses and black entrepreneurs specifically because you could have gone on to start anything you wanted.
1: Yeah, um, well, for me, it's like, it's innate, isn't it? Um, I kind of always grew up with this kind of passion for our community and for our culture. I grew up in a really kind of um, like passionate and lively family. So we always had lots of kind of debates and discussions around kind of what was happening with black people in this country um, in general. And I guess there was always this kind of underlying tone of oh, you know, this is what needs to be done, but no one's going to do it, no one's going to do it. And that used to just really kill me. I'd be so frustrated and feel like, why can't we do this? Why can't we make these changes? And I think, you know, I went about my everyday life, my career, and when I got to... Um, maybe like 2015 right as the kind of Black Lives Matter movement first kicked off with Trayvon Martin and all that my kind of frustration was at a peak um through work I was just in a really kind of bad situation my work environment and my life circumstances started changing and that really led me to kind of think more about kind of what was going on with me internally, black history, the community, and really start doing some learning and research. Um, and one of the books that I read was um, Powernomics by Dr. Claude Anderson. Okay. And, um, yeah, and it, it in this book, it kind of really outlines... I guess, a a practical step-by-step plan, if you like, for Black people to kind of start working together as a community and really kind of change the circumstances for themselves. Um, And I really loved that. And I think coupled with some really amazing people, um, I started kind of meeting with them every other week. We'd talk about things that were happening, talk about our frustrations, talk about the changes we want to make. And through all of that, we realised that, you know, Um, business was a cornerstone to how we can change those things um and how we can make a difference and I think that's when you know Black Business Network started being formed so after a few years from there I took kind of my knowledge from events um and then just just this passion that I had and really kind of merged the two into creating Black Business Network um and it all started with kind of safe space events essentially so.
0: Okay that's really good to hear um firstly thank you to Goodman Factory who um, brought who who bought a badge really appreciate you great Instagram page great um organization and they also enjoyed the book as well they say very good book um I have to agree with you um Shari that I remember growing up there was maybe um a bit of a rivalry within the black community like i have friends from both the african and the caribbean <laughs> side but i do remember a short period maybe in the 90s when there was a bit of a rivalry there but like on a serious note there is a yeah. lot of unity within the community and um like networks that your like yours really help to foster that so thank you very much for yeah setting up your your network um one of your sponsors um lloyds bank did a study and um they found some things um that we're going to talk about on, on this yeah. live and so my first question to you is um the study the the black yeah. British business and proud report yeah which, that there might be some progress needed in the level of trust between black business owners and banks so um what did the study find um on this topic
1: yeah so just to co- kind of correct you quickly so it is our study so black british oh. and business and proud is our study um and yes it but it was commissioned by lloyd's bank so we worked kind of in partnership with them to get it done and um yeah obviously one of the major findings that came out of it was the kind of breakdown between black entrepreneurs and you know these financial institutions banks um and wider society and i think Uh, you know, as a member of the community, it's probably not the most shocking thing that you heard that the levels of trust are um, not as high. But I think what was great here was that we were finally kind of putting that together, you know, um, breaking it down and putting together a metric so we could really say this is um, the situation here. And what we found in the report that was that like 43% of black entrepreneurs trust banks to have their best interests in mind. And obviously, that's just not acceptable when we're talking about the kind of key role that, you know, banks and institutions play in anyone's business journey. So as you're trying to grow your business, if you don't have a trusting relationship with your bank, it can be so, you know, integral to the growth of your business. So it's something we need to adjust. So we started by looking at what some of those reasons were, could be. Um, and obviously, we know the historical legacy of a lot of these kind of financial institutions played a massive Massive part into how we as entrepreneurs kind of think and feel about engaging with them. Then we also had that, you know, a high number of people had also experienced racism, so had directly experienced some sort, form of racism. Um, in situations when they've been dealing with banks and financial institutions. Um, but one of the things that I found most interesting was actually our stat around how many people um, felt that they just didn't understand our culture. So they didn't understand our culture, our experiences, um, and therefore a lot of our kind of businesses, particularly ones that were, I guess, more geared towards the black community. So they didn't understand the value in those. Um, and I think that had all kind of led to this break down in trust um between kind of you know black on the black business community and banks
0: um yeah and i think you know this lack of trust plays out in a number of different ways um if we look at like back in the day when people from the black community were first arriving in the uk um, this led to the use of things like partners and susus which i've made um content about um, if you fast forward to the present day, you have organizations like Stepladder, which yeah. basically have created an app um, that facilitates that um, rotating savings um, type structure. You've got organizations like Lendo, which um, provide finance to like brilliant organizations like Cider Cuts, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if you um, have any data or just any thoughts on whether, the, even though the trust at the moment is at a, um, is below where we'd like it to be has it at least increased over time so has there been a um, relative improvement
1: see that would be interested actually because i think a part of us kind of doing this research was that we actually found that majority of kind of um, when we talk about the black business community there actually wasn't a lot of data out there we'd seen kind of like Bain reports um you know <laughs> And we saw small kind of like community organisations saying different things, but there actually wasn't any data. So it's really hard to kind of see if this is something that has kind of improved or changed over the years. Um, What I would say is, thankfully for us, this report is a three year project in total. So we will be kind of going back next year and the following year to kind of keep measuring that and see if, some of the recommendations that we've put forward can make a change. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually one of my favourite bits about the report that we've done is that we actually have put together recommendations. And, you know, these are based on not only our experiences, but definitely, um, you know, from what our participants in in the survey and the research have said, um, and some of the business leaders we sat with. So we sat with kind of black Business leaders from our community experts and got their kind of feedback and that's some of these recommendations have come directly from there of how we can start to rebuild um, and fix some of these trust levels
0: yeah yeah let's let 's dig a bit deeper then, so what were some of those recommendations and also let me just say because I have a background in research, I think it's fantastic that you've commissioned <laughs> the study over a period of years because it 's one thing to get a snapshot it's another thing to get year on year comparisons to show trends and growth but yeah what were some of those recommendations
1: yeah so um some of the recommendations that we had that we've started with obviously is improving cultural awareness um in kind of black, um, black representation in banks so um through obviously the people that they employ what their kind of employees think and understand that's really key um ensuring that they've got more black voices that they're communicating with um and that they're kind of doing the education with their colleagues so they really understand um you know more about this commut this community and how to engage with it um another one is really partnering with grassroots organizations because i think what we saw is that um you know Black people want to kind of see them in the fields actually doing the work. It's not just about doing a a study or just saying, you know, oh, yeah, we do support black businesses. We want to actually see these banks and these institutions out there in the grassroots organizations um, making the change and, you know the majority of our kind of entrepreneurs and participants said as well that it's really important for them to have support from the black community um, when they're on these journeys. So I think that's why we've really pushed for these banks to start supporting more grassroots organizations and kind of making themselves visible in the community. Um, And then another thing that we've also suggested as a recommendation is kind of ring fence funding and support. So really kind of individualising the types of educational programmes that these institutions are putting out, really putting forward a focus on black groups, um, and really taking into consideration how they approach them on their funding journey. So making it more personable so we're seeing kind of more one-to-one interactions when you're talking about your business um and also about you know taking into consideration things like socioeconomic background and how those things can in fact in, impact your kind of credit history when you're engaging with banks and looking for funding
0: um i like the mention of grassroots organizations are there any that come to mind that you uh... That you that you ever worked with, or that you like what they're doing, just so that people get a sense of what's out there.
1: Oh yeah, amazing. I mean, just from I will say what we're doing in terms of um, being Lloyd's, and I should have probably said from before actually that I also sit on their Black Business Advisory Committee, um, and that is made up of you know eleven excellent individuals um, from the community, all doing great works. And these are just an example of some of the grassroots organisations that they're partnering with. So people like me. Um, Kalia from Jammy oh sorry what you gonna say
0: yeah I was gonna ask uh, so good to hear that uh, Kalia's on it is Lynette on that pod as well
1: No, not Lynette, I don't believe. So um, we've got Foundervine representation as well, which is amazing. So Foundervine's another great grassroots organisation that is doing so much work in the field. Um, We've got Mm -hmm. representation from Cornerstone also on there. Um, So it's really good to see, again, organisations that are working in the communities, particularly looking at funding and financing and entrepreneurs, um, and that those banks like Lloyd's are already starting to engage with them as well, so is really important
0: yeah that's that's really you know Lloyd's banking group is huge so that's uh, really good on them for taking this seriously um another stat and you kind of um kind of spoke to this when you were talking about the levels of trust is that um just over half of black entrepreneurs say they've experienced racism in their entrepreneurial um efforts uh what's what's your view on this
1: Yeah, it's I mean, it's the unfortunate thing, isn't it? When you kind of go into business, particularly as a black person, um, you know, we we found in the survey for our findings that it was 53 percent said they had directly experienced um, some sort of overt racism in their journey. Um, And more so, we found 84 percent of um, black entrepreneurs kind of felt like racism was going to be a barrier for them when they were on their entrepreneurial journey so really it's a kind of a massive mindset thing I think as well so it's it's that experience coupled with the mindset of you know because I know of someone that's had the experience of racism or I've experienced it myself or a family member's experienced myself I already know that that's going to be a massive challenge Um, and one of the other findings that I think came from that that really kind of shocked me was that because of these experiences 58% of um, black entrepreneurs felt that they were they basically had were concerned about presenting as a black owned business and I think that is one of the things we need to look at, because that's not the first time I've I've seen that, you know, seen it in the stats, but I've heard from people where they've had discussions about, oh, whether they should use their own imaging, um, you know, whether they might have an Italian restaurant, but they don't want people to know that it's a black owned Italian restaurant or something like that. So I think it's um, really important for us to point out and to highlight that Black-owned doesn't mean that we only service Black people, right? It means that it's just a Black-owned company and you can be proudly Black-owned without kind of alienating your audience. And I think that goes hand in hand with, you know, again, some of the recommendations that we've already listed to help change the perception and the narrative and build that understanding of um, Black-owned versus only servicing Black people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Before we continue with that conversation, thank you very much to the BKH for buying not one, but two badges. Legend Instagram <laughs> creator, creates really useful content around Amazing. how to create on social media. If you don't follow the BKH, uh, you're missing out. So make sure that you follow his page. Yeah, that's so interesting about how um, people, uh, the, the kind of like feeling like you can't present as a black-owned business because of their perception. because. That's just a fundamental misunderstanding between, like, ethnicity, nationality, like, who a business customers are, like, what business ownership is, you know, anyone who um, is put off by a Black-owned, like, Italian restaurant is clearly conflating all of yeah. these different things. Um, yeah, and you just need to make an extra cognitive leap to be like, yeah, a Black person can run an Italian restaurant, or a Black person can own a business which services majority non-Black customers. Many people may be surprised to learn that uh, Tope Awotona is the Yoruba uh, Nigerian owner of Calendly. I was listening to um, how I built this podcast episode um, before. Like, a good business is a good business at the end of the day, in my view
1: absolutely absolutely that's it and we definitely do need to kind of shift it you know even like i think sometimes people see the image like a stock image that someone's used of a face that looks like theirs and um all of a sudden people assume okay so that's a black business then as opposed to you know we're just using this type of imagery um so yeah i think there's a long way to to go to change that narrative
0: yeah so that's been the experience um What can we do to ensure that there is less discrimination for um, black business owners, in your view?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, there's no overnight kind of change for these types of solutions. It really is, as you said, it's a mindset shift. It's a, a kind of, yeah, just a shift in people's perceptions. But I think it starts with, as I said, some of the kind of recommendations that we've we've listed in terms of improving cultural awareness um, and doing that through kind of Black representation, but also really trying to kind of understand our experiences. You know, I urge everybody, um, not just kind of Black people, but everyone to kind of read our report and what we put together, because it really is, you know, told from the perspective of a black entrepreneur it's for us by us um but that means lots of people can learn because it's a really authentic description of our experience and I think that in itself starts to raise awareness about what black entrepreneurs are doing and what fields they're doing Um, and it's really important to kind of maintain visibility as well for lots of different um types of black businesses as well i think sometimes there's a perception that we're all in certain fields um you know so it could be you know the restaurants and takeaways you expect to see us when you're talking about hairdressers um not necessarily you know hair care industry or buying products but definitely when you're talking about hair you expect us to be in those types of in- industries so i think it's important to raise the visibility of black entrepreneurs who are doing great things like you just mentioned with like calendarly um and letting people know that we we run all types of businesses for all types of people um and we can maintain that level of feeling proud in what we've built um proud of what we've built if we built it for our communities or otherwise um without kind of feeling that it's going to alienate people so it's all about the work we do um on the grassroots level in schools um and in these banks in terms of representation to kind of change that perception
0: yeah um black education uk says in the comments good evening good evening black education <laughs> <UK."> good evening <laughs> for tuning in and joining in conversation if anyone anyone listening has any comments on what we're saying do drop your thoughts comments uh questions into the chat we do tried to get to all of them on the Mr. Manu Jha show. Um, based on everything you said, Sherry, I like obviously know where um, you are coming from. One of the top posts on my page, details an experience I had with the police in February of this year. Oh, I, feel um, bad. So I um, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, from the discrimination um, perspective, but I want to ask you a devil's advocate type question, which is, is there anything that can be, All the recommendations you've given the theme is around like people looking at the community from the outside is there anything that you think the community could do from the inside out as well um and where i'm coming from with this is i'm a business owner now but Mm -hmm. And I don't think my mum would mind me saying this like if I was a lawyer my mum would be like really happy (laughs) (laughs) I think I could have gone like yeah mum I'm gonna go to uni and then I'm gonna make content I don't really think that would have flown (laughs) without some serious traction so you know are there maybe some perceptions that are within the community which are of course changing that um, kind of could help the representation visibility piece
1: Yeah absolutely I think it's it's so funny that you kind of say that about like your mum because you know I think that's an experience that again is not unique to you Um, and I know sometimes it always gets associated with like particularly like African households where you know there's three options of career and stuff like that but I think even for me coming from the Caribbean background um, you know my grandparents didn't come here or my gra- my parents even when they kind of came here the idea was to get a professional job it wasn't to start mm-hmm. a business it was to come into um, industry it was to excel in those industries um, and work in a profession and you know that was always Um, what was kind of drummed into me growing up, it was like, you know, you want to go, you want to get a good corporate job. Um, You know, that was basically seen as the height of success. I mean, when I moved to Canary Wharf, my grand, I mean, she was literally like bursting with pride at that. And, you know, the thought was never starting a business. So I think as a community, um, obviously I would never say there's nothing we can do. Changing racism is not our job, number one, you know, as black people... That is not our responsibility. Um, we can kind of point people in the right direction. We can point allies in the right direction and told them, tell them how we want to be engaged with. But in, ultimately, it's not our responsibility to change it. But we can definitely, as a community, I think, start pouring into each other more. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, again, we create the spaces that we create, because I think what we have to understand is for many of us, we're not coming from entrepreneurial backgrounds, um, family members that have done this before. Um, and because of that, there is a bit of a kind of missing gap sometimes in the knowledge. Um, when we go to start businesses, things that we don't know. Um, and those are the kind of things that if we pour into each other as entrepreneurs, if we keep having conversations like this and you know, working with one another, That's how we kind of share the knowledge. That's how we improve overall as a community, our kind of knowledge when it comes to business and how to grow, improving our networks, talking to each other, sharing information. I think that's what we do as a community in order to kind of start changing our circumstances or, you know, I guess not changing our circumstances, but shifting the narrative for ourselves and taking more control and ownership of what that narrative is, um, as opposed to kind of, allowing people to tell us what our narrative is
0: yeah i i completely agree with that control and ownership um you run the annual black investor 360 conference which is where we first met and just wondered if you could speak to us about um what that's all about why you started it and um, what you set it up to achieve
1: Yeah, so um, the Black Investor 360 Conference is basically a safe space conference um, for black people from professionals, entrepreneurs, Um, just kind of community members to come and again speak to one another learn from one another and share knowledge on all things finance we focus in three areas so we talk about number one personal finances so how you can grow and how you can learn more about that and obviously that's where you've always spoke to Timmy so you've come on and you know really shared some key things over the years. So it's been great to have you on board. Um, So we talk about personal finances. We talk about as an entrepreneur, how you can position your business for investment, what scaling looks like and what funding um, looks like. Um, And then also we provide a space for you to kind of grow your network, to meet financial professionals, to meet wealth advisors, um, business managers, people who provide business services everything you kind of need to help you build a team and get your knowledge off the ground, get your personal finances up and running and making money for you. Um, So we think it's really important to facilitate that through that space, you know, and I think um, even with the report we've seen recently, so what the report has showed us is that one in five, Um, black business owners don't feel confident in funding and eligibility. And again, that's just not acceptable, you know. And again, coming from my personal background and kind of growing up, um, I could always see there is definitely a discrepancy when it comes to our community and financial literacy. So it was something that was so important when we were growing and we were going out um, and meeting entrepreneurs face to face. A lot of what they were telling us was around their kind of personal financial journey um, and how hard and difficult they were finding it. So I think. We existed to kind of help counteract that. And now that we know, as we kind of go into our third year, we've actually moved to April because we want to take what we've learned from this, the report and really kind of develop that now and really specialize it to some of the needs that a lot of our entrepreneurs are saying. So understanding better cash flow management for their businesses, um, understanding what's going on in terms of eligibility and the different types of funding that you can secure for your business as well so we're just really happy that we had this uh, this event and we have this space for people because we found that you know there's nothing kind of more empowering than going into a space with faces that look like you um kind of helping you along the way and not to say it's only those obviously it's open to all our allies and supporters as well to come and share knowledge but I think just knowing that as a black entrepreneur as a black person in this community you can go and kind of ask those questions without feeling uh, you know stupid for not knowing it even though no one should because we know schools aren't really you know talking about these kind of things and giving you what you need for everyday finance but I think just knowing that there's that space really helps uh, us as a community to move forward.
0: Yeah and I hugely benefited from the event um you know, I met Emmanuel Asuko there since then. He's gone on to be on every, like, television channel you can think of. Yeah. Yes, has written a book, one influencer of, like, the first British Bank Awards Influencer of the Year Award. Davinia, the founder of Raincheck. She yeah. She was on the BBC the other day.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, from Lendo, Andy Davis from 10x10. So many yeah. fantastic um, people there and such a great networking opportunity. It's just been such a shake because last year you had to move the event to um, virtual
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, and hopefully next year you get to do it back in person because that networking piece is like super, super key.
1: yeah absolutely and it's so great actually it's so nice i guess seeing the event that we put together and seeing all these faces and knowing that everybody's really going on and like doing their thing and you know and that it is it's it's just great networking and and there's nothing more valuable i think than being able to connect with other people in your space that are doing what you're doing as well so yeah
0: um it's been a fantastic conversation i was wondering if you just had any uh Closing remarks before we head into the rapid fire questions, just on what you've spoken about today on the report, um, your thoughts about the future. Yeah, what? what any closing remarks from you?
1: Um, yeah, so I think just um, when it comes to the report, I just kind of urge any, um, anyone listening firstly to go and download it. It's available from uh, blackbusinessnetwork.online forward slash BBIBP report. Um, so to go download it read it look at the findings um, look at some of the recommendations Um, as black entrepreneurs I really encourage you to engage next year as well so as I said it's a three-year project so we'll be kind of following up but the more of us that share our voices and our experiences in this the more specific we can get in terms of Getting our needs down and, um, in, you know, addressing what needs to happen for us to kind of move forward and for these barriers to be removed from our pathway, so we can continue to excel. Um, so I would definitely say, you know, go and engage and take part in that. Um, obviously, we've got Black Investor coming back up, so um, head over to BlackInvestor360.com um, or follow our socials as well to keep updated. We're going to be take, coming back to you in April, and as you said, as a live event. All you know, God willing, fingers crossed that this the next year goes as planned um, And yeah, we're really excited to I guess get back into that space and start engaging with people, um, and just understand that it's so important for us to share the wealth we have, which is our wealth of knowledge, our wealth of experience with each other, um, and to continue to uplift and support one another so we can kind of move forward as a community.
0: Awesome. Um, As you're speaking, uh, I don't know if you're in contact with him or if you had him in mind, but Swiss, um, the founder of Black Pound Day might be a good person to um, speak to because um, what he's done for Black entrepreneurs has been quite um, profound um, with the uh, the monthly Black Pound Day initiative.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's someone we'd love to kind of get into contact with. So these are all the people that definitely we're reaching out to because, yeah, I mean, what he's done in terms of, I guess, shifting the perspective on supporting and buying Black-owned businesses is amazing. We had some questions and some responses about Black Pound Day in the report as well and it was great to kind of see that you know black entrepreneurs definitely find it to be something that is important to them as well um but yeah we have other you know other areas as well that we need to kind of work on in terms of financing and really understanding that as a community and that that education
0: yeah um cool we're into the rapid fire questions part of the conversation this is all the guests on the show so without any further ado What has been your biggest financial achievement to date, Shari?
1: Oh, my biggest financial achievement actually... I would say it was when we were able to put on the first black investor event, actually we we're, you know, still a really new company. We went straight for, uh, the Olympia conference center. So we wanted to, you know, make a massive splash. And that was a uh, quite a risk for us financially. Um, and, you know, it ended up paying off. So I think that was definitely one of my greatest uh, financial achievements as a business, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: What one piece of money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago?
1: Oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) don't don't take that credit card, girl. (laughs) Um, Basically, definitely 10 years ago, you know, um, like being newly moved out. And um, actually, I think I just. 10 years ago probably it was just before I bought my house so thankfully it was one of the times where I was getting a little bit smarter with my money um but definitely had made some mistakes and I had to do a lot to kind of repair my uh credit at that point so um I would definitely say when you're in uni you know don't be as stupid there's things you can just pay for outright you definitely don't need to put it on a credit card and if you do just set up a direct debit or uh, that's a bit more than your your minimum so that you can actually pay it off instead of just kind of sitting there and letting it accumulate so that would definitely be my advice to me
0: yeah in the in the hundreds of conversations i've had over the past couple years ago there is i feel like nearly everyone goes through a phase in their life where they just end up in debt either it's a credit card or for me in my case it was a student overdraft just going to uni they're like hey yeah it's free money yeah it's interest free (laughs) buy all the games you want meanwhile you don't even know what apr stands for you don't know (laughs) like you don't know how this stuff works and then the minute you leave uni it's like where's our money
1: yeah (laughs) exactly all these things like spending stupid money on stupid things as well it's just ridiculous
0: yeah so So i just say that because i feel like there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt around debt and i just think yes you know you're the person that's taking the debt out but i think like the system is designed to get you in in that position as well so what sherry's just mentioned yes you can set up a if you're not paying off your credit card manually you can set up what's called a variable direct debit from a nominated bank account to pay off your card in full every month and that means that and you don't get any of those nasty interest um charges or missed payments
1: yeah
0: um if you were to win the lottery how would you allocate that money let's say you were to win 10 million pounds
1: oh how would i allocate that money so um definitely i oh it's a hard one actually um i definitely look to buy some property some more property i think um to kind of have a bit of an investment Obviously, you know, you'd have to take out a portion for family and um, to support friends. Um, I would probably actually invest some money back into my business as well. Um, you know, it's in a good place, but I think we could definitely, you know, always do with a good cash investment. And I, help, I think it'd help us do a lot more. So I'd definitely put more into the event. Um and really, yeah, things actually I've learned over the years, I think that is from smart money from doing the event. So definitely get a couple of different pensions <laughs> up, um, and a couple of different investments so that, that money could be working for me. Um, but really, I, I don't think I'm in a place now where I'd want to go crazy. I think it would just be, yeah, you know, thinking about what kind of investments I would have to do that would be the easiest to manage with the least amount of work. Nice mm-hmm. holiday and sorting out the family, really, and a bit into the business.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and on the uh, the pensions piece, um, there are no, there's no limit on the number of pensions you have open. So, if you were to come into a lot of money, just just one for the people at home, you can pay into a workplace pension and a personal pension at the same time. Um, and on the personal side, you can choose exactly what that money is invested into. Um, the only thing that differs from that and investing something in something like a Stocks and Shares ISO is just the age of access. So um, when you invest in that pension, you're not going to see the money until you're in your 50s. But if you do it in a nicer environment, then you can, of course, access that money as and when you need to. Great yeah. answer. Um, the final question is, what does success mean to you?
1: Oh, um, success is one of those things, really, that I try to say to myself um, every day that I'm a success in just in being, um, just in living and working forward. Yeah, Um, I think it's it's so important, right, not to kind of get focused on this idea of success kind of being outside of you or something that you're always constantly working towards. Um, If you got up this morning, you know, you were in good enough health to kind of get out of bed go do something um even if you just done one small thing that was working towards your purpose or your overall goal in life um I think it's enough to kind of deem it that that day's been a success for you so it really is about understanding that and putting one foot in front of the other every day making plans but not getting so caught up in those plans and understanding that every step you take towards those plans is is a success and i think that's for me is you know i i feel successful and everything that i've been able to achieve so far um in knowing everything that i want to continue to achieve um and that i'm on that path makes me feel successful so
0: sorry i just responded so like excited to that <laughs> answer because i am only at you know this year learning about that concept so um yeah shari yeah. is operating on like a, a higher wavelength you know this idea of success is, is super counter cultural and is practiced by basically no one because society that we live in says that you're not successful until yes. until you get good grades until you earn this much money until you have this many followers until 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 yes. the thing is you have value just as a human being. I know it sounds like a really weird thing to say, but like just by being being, a human being, you have value. And then all of the other stuff is just a bonus. So I love, love, love that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the journey um, and not the end goal actually. And when you realize that, that's when everything I think feels a lot better in what you're doing and what you're working towards
0: cool do you have any questions for me
1: um no just to really say that thank you for having me come on and join you and this just yeah i'm so excited to kind of see everything that you've built with mr money jar it's such an amazing brand um and yeah i'm glad that we were kind of we got in there early to kind of get you on board and as a part of the event and um it was great then when you'd done the first session and then when you came back to join us um, and yeah we just obviously hope for your continued support and for all hopefully your audience now to kind of learn a little bit about what we do um, and that it kind of opens the doors for them as well so come follow come be a part of it and yeah just so excited to see what you built Siri it's been amazing
0: Thank you. And likewise, thank you for being there from, you know, pretty much the very beginning and so proud of what you've built. And I, I really look forward to seeing what you continue to do in the um, years ahead, particularly with the study. It's super, super mm-hmm. important. I think that's a great note on which to uh, wrap up today's conversation. Thank you so much to you, Shari, for coming on, uh, telling us about the study, which I will link to in my story after this episode with, with Amazing. the links and download it directly. Um, Thank you so much to everyone at home for tuning in, to the people who bought badges to the BKH and to Goodman um, Factory. Thank you so much. We'll be back at the same time next Tuesday with another special guest. So until then,
1: everyone take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.